we are we are blessed in our church for numbers of reasons. One of them is that because because our network headquarters is here in Syracuse, there are people that are unbelievably talented ministers that live here in Syracuse, and and there are a number of them that call this church home. And so uh, I had asked Reverend Sharon Frank if she would speak to us on Mother's Day because I thought it might be wonderful to have the perspective of a woman of God who is both a mother and a grandmother, a pastor's wife and a pastor herself. She gives pastoral care to all of the ministry spouses within our network And uh, I can tell you after hearing this message already once today that you're going to be blessed. So would you give a round of applause and welcome Reverend Sharon Frank as she comes to minister to us today. Good morning. And happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. And happy Mother's Day to all those who have been like a mother to us. Maybe a relative or a friend or, you know, somebody in the church. Because you have also been important in our lives. And thank you for all the rest of you, children, husbands, friends, who are helping honor and celebrate the women today. So, I have come to speak to you today, and I could have spoken on many well-known women of the Bible. For instance, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Talk about having a well-behaved kid. (laughs) Um, Perhaps, um, well, turned it upside down on me. Um, How about Sarah? Sarah, uh, the mother of Isaac, a patriarch, uh, who um, became a mother at a rather mature age. And uh, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, oh, he was a great leader. But she's mostly known for the fact of her bravery and faith and that she protected him and spoke into his life. Amen? Or how about Hannah? Uh, the mother of Samuel, the great prophet. She prayed for so long to have a child, but then she was willing to dedicate him to the service of the Lord. But today, I'm going to talk about a lesser-known woman of the Bible. She's in the New Testament, and the thing is, she's probably much like some of us. Um, But in reality, it never says in the Bible that she actually had children. We can assume, but we don't know. Um, So she's not known by the notoriety of her own children. Ladies, you know the situation, you know. Somebody introduced you, this is Nathan's mother. (laughs) Or, oh, you're Alyssa's mom, you know. Excuse me, my name's Sharon, you know, me. Um, Or the new mom, you know, the new mom just got, you know, and everybody rushes in and all the attention goes to the baby, right? And she's going, oh, excuse me, I just spent nine months on this birthing, this miracle. And, you know, so I make sure 
that I go to the woman, look her in the eye, see how she's doing, and then I pay all the attention to the baby. But um, we're going to discuss a woman known for her identity that she portrayed that is actually an essential part of a job description for all mothers and husbands, fathers, anyone. Today we're going to speak about imparting a legacy to the next generation. Now, what do I mean by legacy? Well, according to the dictionary, a legacy is a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. It's something obtained from somebody. It's a gift. But I like the phrase that says, by will. Now, I know technically that means a legal document that we have drawn up, but I'd like to emphasize that it is a willful act. It's something we pass along to someone else. And it doesn't only have to be our children. It can be to anyone we care about. I also was caught by the term transmitted. A legacy is not only money or an object to hand someone. The legacy we're going to be talking about today is a lifestyle, an attitude, something that can become the very fabric of people's lives. It's something immeasurable but present. Valuable, but you can't affix a price to it. It's priceless. Tangible, but yet intangible. It's something transmitted only by your presence in their lives. In Acts 18, we find a woman who has this quiet presence, and it's seen throughout the book, and that is Priscilla. Now, you usually probably know Priscilla in the term Priscilla and Aquila because that's kind of reiterated throughout the book of Acts. We meet them in verse 1 of Ephesians 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, that seems a simple intro, but I challenge you to look between the lines, because there's so much more here. I don't know about you, but if I just met someone, I don't know if I'd necessarily just go live with them. Right? So there had to be something that Paul saw. Why would he do this? I propose that it's because there was something more to them that met the eye. They were Christians. But they weren't just Christians by name. They could have been closet Christians, but they weren't. They were faithful to God. It showed in their stance in their life. They must have lived a life 
with a good reputation in Corinth because otherwise I doubt that Paul would have become unequally yoked with them in business. So, isn't that the kind of thing that we want to portray? Something that people see and are willing to be with? Which brings us to our first point, imparting a legacy of faithfulness. Now, how do we show that? I say that we show it by living a life of consistency. Consistency in following all that God has put forth for us, not only to do, but to be. I'm sure you can learn a lot about people after you live with them for a while. And if Aquila and Priscilla had not, oh, I see some knowing glances there. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that if Aquila and Priscilla had not shown a consistency of faithfulness in their life, Paul would not have lived with them for a whole year and a half. Now, it's consistency in everyday life. You know, the routine, the mundane, the work ethic, how you're in the community, it's that kind of consistency. They must have kept the standards outlined in scriptures, and they showed a consistency in all they believed. Do our lives show consistency? Can people point to us as examples of following the commands of God, his standards? You know, those of honesty, compassion, grace, modesty, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control. Hmm. I remember one Mother's Day when the pastor, who just happened to be my husband, um, asked if there was any people, anyone there who wanted to give honor to their mother. And a few people spoke. And then from the sound booth, where all good PKs, pastors, kids are, if they're technically at all, and uh, are sitting. And he said, um, yes. He wanted to thank his mom because he knew no matter what and no matter where that she was praying for him. And he was thankful and dependent on those prayers. Because you see, just the summer before, his internship had taken him to a very sensitive country as a missionary, and he knew he had to depend on those prayers to keep him through. How did he know? Because he saw his parents' daily devotions and prayer. And because of that, he's a prayer warrior today. Do your children see you pray? Do they know? You know, Priscilla and Quilla showed faithfulness in another area, too, in their faithfulness to each other. Because no matter where in that book you see, it's always Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla. It's all there. They're always together. They imparted a faithfulness in their marriage, staying faithful to their vow to God. It was an example of how to maintain a marriage that the next generation needed to follow. This year, 
we will have been married 45 years. It's possible <laughs> in this year. Because I chose good. And I'm telling anyone out there who's looking, you choose good. I'm just saying. But we want our children to see examples of good marriages so that they know what is possible and how to do it. Amen? Amen. But they were also faithful to the ministry. Excuse me, they were willing to take somebody in for a year and a half. Now, I know to some of those you people out there who are hospitality-minded, no problem. Me, I'm kind of a more private person. I think I could take maybe three days to a week. Then that would be a little tough for me. But um, they did this. They were faithful in this. But they weren't only faithful in working with him there we find that they were willing to pick up and leave and go with him in the ministry. Because in verse 18 it says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. You see, they not only traveled with him to Ephesus, they were willing to stay there and continue the work there after he left. And in Romans 16, it says, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And in Corinthians, it says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. At this point, they had been serving for 18 years in the ministry with Paul. They were still going. They still had a church. They were willing to risk their lives. That's faithfulness. Now, I'm not saying that you all have to, you know, have people in your house or be a missionary, but each one of you have giftings that God has given you and we're just saying that be faithful in serving God with them. Because it's this legacy of faithfulness that's going to be an impact on people's lives. And I honor the people in this church who I know have served years. After they've found their niche here, they keep serving and doing because that's their heart. Because it's a model to our children that faithful service is the norm, not the exception. Amen? Amen? Now, Priscilla went on and imparted another legacy. She imparted a legacy of dependence. Because as you remember, she was forced out of Rome and went to Corinth. And then she left Corinth and was a missionary with Paul. And in this sense, she had to depend on God to meet all her needs. You know, I've never been forced out of a home, but maybe somebody here has. I've never had the problem of not knowing if I'm going to eat the next day. But maybe you have. But I do know that I have had to live on some 
very little money and strict budgets in my lifetime. You see, we left a position in the public school and stepped out to start a Christian school, and for the first two months, they couldn't even pay us. And we had to rely upon God even for our basics. Now, the school grew and supplied more, but then we decided to go into full-time ministry and start a church. And you know small churches can't pay you much. In fact, I can remember one Christmas when our then five-year-old really wanted this one toy. And um, you know a mother's heart. You just love to give it to him. But, you know, it was a little more expensive. Of course, at that point in time, anything was too expensive. But we happened to be walking through a discount store, and I noticed something sticking out underneath a pile. Now, it's not a pile. It's a pile. And my wonderful husband took everything down so we could get to the last one, and it was it. So we tentatively went to the clerk and said, how much? He said, oh, give me a dollar. God loves you that much, amen? I mean, I can remember, you know, having my grocery list and saying, Lord, please let some of these things be on sale this week, and they were. But we also had a situation where God just supplied so many things. He supplied food. He supplied health and vehicles and any needed items we had needed. But there was one time when we were between health insurances and I was pregnant. I still had six weeks to go. But our darling Alyssa decided to come early. Now, you don't at that point say, gotta wait, it doesn't work. And so I remember being in the delivery room and the nurses play a game there. They kind of see how, if they can guess how much the baby weighs. And she said, ah, I think about five pounds. And she weighed her, it was exactly five pounds, but she had to subtract one ounce for the clip. So the next day, um, my husband dutifully goes down to the office and said, okay, I have to figure out how to pay for this. And so the clerk went and um, checked on it, and she came back and she said, um, it's paid in full. You don't know anything. He says, um, wait a second, I know I have a wife and a kid upstairs. You know, I just like to get them out of hock, you know. But um, she said, well, since you don't have insurance, and because the baby was under five pounds, it's called a catastrophic pregnancy, and it's covered for the want of one clip. God does good. Amen. When you're stepping out in the ministry, God will supply. Amen? Amen. But no, we had our children pray too. We taught them that they pray so they could see God answer their prayers and know that God was faithful to them and he was real and he does it. They could trust him. But Priscilla didn't only model dependency. In verse 24, we see, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, 
a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about the Jews accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Priscilla didn't only model, she taught. She was a teacher, a mentor, and she must have been capable enough because this Apollos was a learned man. She had a depth to her. We need to speak into other people's lives, amen? I've seen people here. I have seen people take newcomers into their house to explain scripture. I've heard of people here who've come alongside of people in the church and they help them. I have seen God move and by people coming together and praying for each other and supporting them. That's what we're talking about. It's not only ministry. It's modeling a Christian life that they can then model. Larry and I have had the privilege of uh, hanging out with some amazing young adults lately. Now, it makes me feel good. They want to be with us. <laughs> you know, I'm in the 30-year age, right? My husband says, don't let it go to my head. Um, hey, they did say I looked young. Well, they didn't really say young. They just said I didn't look old, but I'll take anything I can get. Um, but that's not why they sought us out. They approached us because they wanted relationship, direction, and someone speaking into their life. They wanted to go deeper in their relationship with God and they wanted direction in how to do that. They wanted someone with experience and wisdom. Isn't that what we see on the national scene nowadays? Young people want relationship. Don't buy into the lie that you are too old, you can't relate, or you're dated. It's not true. Because if they don't find it there, they'll find it from someone. We read it about in the news daily. They'll find someone with a cause, someone with strength and a purpose. And why shouldn't it be you? You are the ones with a godly purpose, amen? You're the ones with the inward strength, the power that God ignited through the Holy Spirit. You are the one with discernment of the Holy Spirit giving godly direction. You're the one that can instruct them how to seek and find answers in his word, prayer, and with a sensitivity to the spirit and not be drawn in by ungodly counsel. You are the ones that can speak into their lives. And I want to tell you that to be honest, as much as we've had the opportunity to speak in their lives, they speak into our lives. 
which leads to the third part of imparting a legacy. Now notice I didn't say leave a legacy. You're not dead yet. You can do it now. Because in verse 25 it says that Priscilla and Aquila Metapolis, he only knew the baptism of Jesus. Remember it said and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of, oh, excuse me, not John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. In other words, Apollos had believed in Jesus as the son of God, who died for their sins, who rose to give them new life. He had accepted his forgiveness and then surrendered his life. He was a true Christian. But what he hadn't learned was that Jesus himself was baptizing all believers with the Holy Spirit. This was the same situation that Paul found later when he returned to Ephesus. It said Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Priscilla and Aquila knew that this was lacking in Apollo's life. They led him into receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they knew that the hand of God was on Apollos. They knew he'd need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to continue to minister effectively. They knew he'd need the discernment on how to minister, the discernment to uh, recognize false teachers, and he'd need the anointing, the powerful anointing of God in his life. But isn't that what we need? We're all in ministry somewhere. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the direction and power of the Spirit as we're used in our various ministries. We didn't need discernment in every area of our lives. But even more, we need the power to model that before our children and new believers. As a mom, my prayer is that my children and grandchildren will see the move of God in this sanctuary. They'll see it not only operational in my life, but they'll see it in operation in other people's lives. They need to experience when the Holy Spirit moves across here in worship and real, true, vital worship wells up. They need to hear us worship in tongues, that heavenly language that is directly to God and understood by God. Yes. 
They need to see the reality of the power of someone baptizing the Holy Spirit so a desire will grow in them that they can have it too. They need to see someone prayed over and miraculously healed. They need to see someone used in the gifts of the Spirit and so they know that they can be used too. We need this to pass on the legacy of power to the next generation. And it doesn't only happen here. It should also happen in our homes or wherever. They've got to know that anywhere they can pray and see the Holy Spirit come down and move and work. Amen? We need to pray and see this happen in everyone's life. Because if I don't know about you, but I don't only want this for my children. I want it for my grandchildren and for as many generations as it can go. See, our kids were PKs before they were PKs. Now, that means they were principal's kids before they were pastor's kids. Were there privileges? Were there perks? Yes. But they were usually held to a higher standard. Yes. But that's okay. They were scrutinized inside the church and inside the school. But that's okay. Why? Because we're all children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because we um, are held to a higher standard. We're representing the almighty, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, eternal prince of peace. Yes, we have privileges and perks in this Christian life because our father is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and eternal. He blesses his children and endues them with power for living. Are we scrutinized? Yes, we're scrutinized, but it's all the better because then we can be the example we need to be in their lives. Because you see, our God is not just a foster parent. He adopts. I honor those foster parents who take the time to bring children into their lives and pass on that legacy for the short time that they have them. But our God adopts. And when he adopts, it says in Ephesians 1, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ that's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit of God's guarantee 
that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He loves his own. You become totally his with all the rights and privileges of a son and daughter. You inherit all he has. He pours his spirit into you so you can become the spitting image of him. So you can pour into your children and others to impart that legacy in their lives. But you may say, impart a legacy? Me? With my past? Yes. From this point forward, you can show the power of God, his love and grace to change you, to make you a new person. And then show the strength through him to maintain that testimony that can be reiterated from generations to come, to be a model in their lives. However, you can only do this if you've been adopted. Just like Apollos, who accepted and believed in Jesus as God's son who died for his sins and rose from the dead to give him new life, you must make that decision first and then start on the journey to impart a legacy. As we bow our heads, let's seek God and let him speak to us. Thank you.